Hey everybody, welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. We are stand-up comedians. Stand-up comedians that are currently jobless because of the coronavirus. We're finally going to be the doctors our mothers wanted us to be. Is there anything that we don't know? A lot, actually. We have a lot of questions. Uh, We have a lot of answers. All of them wrong. But we do have access to... Google. And a vet. Oh yeah, my mom's a vet. She knows some stuff. We have to do this So every once in a while, we're going to invite her on. No, we don't. We're going to actually use this. (laughs) Welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm going to get like quarantine hot. Um, I mean, exercise every day. I'm going to go for runs. I'm not going to be wearing makeup. My skin's going to look amazing. I bought two different hair masks. I've been wanting to do a hair mask. Okay, I want to. I, I want to. I wanted to let you go a little bit longer, but here's the thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I really think like um, you're like cut to like like three weeks from now when you haven't been on stage, your hair is going to be a mess. You're going to be a mental mess, and you're going to be like, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. And I'm going to respond to you in German because I've learned every language. <laughs> Such an asshole. I um. <laughs> You're not wrong, um, but I am, and you know, it's going to be the topic of our episode. I am deathly scared, like scared of going into a depressive episode because I don't know who I am if I'm not getting on stage at least every other day. I mean, honestly, most of my life I've gotten on stage every single day. I've never taken more than two weeks off. And even that two week off exception, we're talking about once every couple of years. I truly get on stage five to seven times. I think it's very common among comedians. Like a lot of people are going, I don't know who I am without this. And yeah, especially for the ones that have been going for a couple of decades. Like, you know, it's just like, I really wanted time off. I want, I was like, yeah, you know, I look at people sitting outside eating dinner, al fresco dining, having wine. And I'm like, oh, I want to be that while I'm on my way to a show. Um, and not that this is that, but like now I've had the time uh, to get to focus on things and get things done. And I'm like, not like this, you know, I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't want to be quarantined into doing my job better made to do it. It's like when you, it's like when you, you were, you know, like when I was younger, when I was little, I used to be about to clean my room and then my mom would come in and be like, clean your room. And I'd be like, well, no, I was, I wanted to do it on my own. I don't want to yeah, I'm not going to be forced to, to do it. it. <laughs> I do. I, as you know, people that travel the world and as people that, um, I don't know, we're constantly putting off side projects because we're always tired and we're always like kind of doing all these different things. Like there is a part of me that's like, if, if I walk out of this quarantine without a script, it's me, you know yeah. what I mean? Like oh, it's yeah. not, you get to a point where it's just like, I just don't have time. You know, I'll do it when I have time. And then now we all have so much time that so it's much like time. And yeah, n- now if I don't do it, it's like, okay, so I've been giving excuses. Um, also the thing is, is like, okay, so it started with toilet paper and everybody rushed to the stores to get toilet paper. And then it was like toilet paper and pasta. And then it was like uh, canned food. And like now everybody's rushing to the stores to get canned food. Now wipes. Yeah. Uh, and now everybody's running to the store. Oh yeah. And, and sanitizer. Now everybody's running to the store to get alcohol. And every time everyone runs to the store and waits in line, it's just like being around people you wouldn't have been around if you didn't. It's like, you know, when we, I don't know if you've ever waited tables, but you'd go to a table and they would be like, can I get a water? And you'd go and get a water and come back. They'd be like, can I get ketchup? And you would go and then come back and they'd still have something different every time you came to the table. I feel like that's what the government's doing to its people. And they're just waiting. Consolidate in really your thoughts. Lines. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
And I, I honestly think they knew this the whole time. It's kind of like when you're at an airport and um, a plane gets delayed 20 minutes and then it's an hour, then it's six hours. I think they knew the whole time. They just don't want to cause chaos and anger and panic. So they just like let 100%. people in on it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I don't, I don't think that's made up at all. They a hundred percent have been holding, they knew this was going to happen. They knew it was this bad months ago, Hmm. months ago. Not only it, it could have actually been avoided. So it wasn't this bad if they paid attention to it in January, but truly I think the little snippets of like, Hey, just maybe stay inside guys. Or, Hey, you know, let's social distance. Hey, we're shutting everything down. Like, I think yeah. they they truly know how people are going to respond. I talked to a woman in the Trader Joe's line that was like, she's like, I don't, I just don't, I have to get everything today. And are they going to shut down the subways? I was like, no, because healthcare providers and grocery store workers have to get to work. I don't think it's going to be the same schedule. I think it's going to be much more minimal, but yeah, the subways are still going to work. They're encouraging people not to take them. But this woman was like, I don't have a grocery store near me. Like I'd come to this one. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, I was, I went home to get some stuff because I knew I'd, I'd be, uh, at my partner's for a while, Johnny. And, um, <laughs> I don't know why you had to sound like you were in the fifties. I don't say his name. Like- I don't say his name regularly. I always go, Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> Hey, Jenny. You know, anyway, but like I, I, I took the overground and I got in just as they were closing the station. So they were letting like a sliver of people out and everything else was closed. Um, yeah, they did it so gradually. It's like when you break up with someone and you're just like, you know, I don't think I'm going to. I don't know. I don't know. Never mind. It's like, it's just, but it is all... a little bit. It's like in the beginning, you're like, maybe I'll just take my favorite shirt home just in case things <laughs> get bad. Um, so I'll take that home just in case things go and I don't have time to collect, you know, I can leave shampoo here. If I lose my shampoo, it's not a big deal, but it yeah, was, yeah. it's just like, first you take your favorite shirt home and then you're like, I'm not gonna leave my laptop here. And then you're like, okay, maybe I, this is really nice shampoo. It costs kind of a lot of money. Maybe I should bring that home. Like you just slowly oh, yeah. start moving out. Oh, this is going to be a mess, but, well, um, let's, what did you, uh, what did you Google this week? So honestly, um, I got a gel. I've only gotten a gel manicure twice. I barely even get regular manicures. I think I've gotten like six and it's all because of like weddings and stuff, but I got a gel manicure for my sister's wedding in April, um, of last year. And I loved it, but it like destroyed my nails and it took like truly months for it to recover. And then I got my nails, I got a gel manicure with nail art, which has been my dream. Um, sorry for any boys listening. It's been my dream <laughs> for years to get nail art. It's my favorite. I, that's my Instagram explore page is just nail art and cats. And so I paid to get this gel manicure with nail art for my special. You know, it lasts three weeks to a month. I take it off. My nails are destroyed. I mean, truly destroyed. Okay, so, like, I never understood why gel was a problem because it might destroy the actual bed of nail that you put it on, but your nails grow. So this is the thing. And so, so that's what I Googled. I go, do gel manicures ruin your nails? And they were like, yes, yes, they do. So basically. Google is like the bad friend. I'm so sorry. I keep interrupting you, but Google is that bad friend, the doom and gloom friend, like where everything is wrong. Everything is going to kill you. Everything, everything sucks. And there's no point to doing anything in life. That is Google. No, I'm going to fight you on that because 
because Google is just taking direction. So my pessimism is in the question. So if you say, am I going to die of cancer? Google's like, probably. Yeah, probably. But if you say, Google, are these symptoms cancer? They might be like, no, these are the symptoms that are cancer. So I went in negative. I went in saying, does gel manicures ruin your nails? And Google's like, yeah, bitch, it does. Um, (laughs) But if I had said, what are some of the effects that gel manicures have on your nails in the long term? it might come up with a different answer. So I do think that we are criticizing the machine when really uh, it's the employees. Oh, damn, you got deep. All right, girl. (laughs) (laughs) But so I Googled that. I knew it did. You know when you know something, but you just want to be proven right? I would say 90% of my Googles are just like, I'm right. I just want to know how right I am and have the terminology. Because I always was like, is it suffix? So with a regular manicure, first of all, it starts chipping like immediately. Let's just be honest. Like you put it on, you go home. You're like, how do I already have half of them chipped? Oh yeah. I mean, I cannot. Yeah. So a regular manicure, let's say on a good, good time, like a good manicure lasts a week. A gel manicure can last three weeks to four weeks. And that's, that's giving your, basically your nail isn't exposed to any oxygen there, it, it stunts how it's even grown. It basically, from what Google told me, is that it just really suffocates it and and takes away the moisture. And so then, um, what I was doing because I had Googled this when my nails were weak for different reasons, for health reasons years ago, is I've been soaking my nails in olive oil to kind of. They said like nail stuff, but I don't trust any of these over the counter things because like like this podcast is. I'm right. I'm always right. <laughs> um, so I'm not gonna buy your fucking. Sally Henson $9 nail moisturizer. I'm going to fucking get olive oil. I'm Italian. I'm going to fucking go to the roots. I'm going to plant myself like literally like my hands are are roots to a tree. I'm going to plant my hands into a big thing of olive oil. Right, I'm going to stop it, you there because what? no, I'm teaching the world. <laughs> when you got okay, your hands are roots of a tree. Gotcha. So, th- so I Googled. <laughs> I Googled uh, effects of gel manicure long-term, which you said would be the safe bet for Google. But our Debbie Downer Google says, um, they Get can, out. It calls nail bitterness, peeling, cracking, and repeated use can increase the risk of skin cancer and premature skin aging on hands. So Whoa. Yeah. That's even crazier than mine. Um, honestly, it destroys your nails. And so like you were saying, your nails start to grow out after a while. Yeah, no, my nails are now healthier. You can't see it public, but my nails look amazing now. But um, up until I would say about two weeks ago, they kept breaking. They were peeling. They were frail. They cried at night. Like they, (laughs) they were awful. And as much as I love how my nails look on gel manicures and doing nail art, I don't know if I'll ever do it again. It takes literally three months for them to grow out and be healthier. And I was, I was soaking my nails in olive oil, maybe three times a week and, you know, singing to them. I love my nails. Like that's probably the girliest thing about me. You you do have long nails. Like I'm very much a short nail. Like I play the guitar, but I don't actually play the guitar. Like, <laughs> I like to have the use of my fingers. I can't stand long nails. So I, I like to do short and round and, you know, understated and beautiful. I have gel on my hands right now. They're not, I got it done four and a half years ago. <laughs> and, <laughs> coming off. But, uh, 
you're like, this is who I am now. Uh, we have pink <laughs> well, nails now. What scares me about John Manicures is sticking your hand in that UV light, like that. Oh yeah, what is that? Doesn't that make you yourself tan? Doesn't that make you think the wrinkles are going to just be like on that upper knuckle of your nail? So you're yeah. going to like have this like, like weird like Madonna hands, which is what I googled recently. Madonna hands. No, really. Everything else about her looks 42, but her hands look 97. Like her hands are creepy. But that's somebody actually... told me to, to Google her hands. Um, why did she tell me to Google her? Like, huh. But I was going to say, so the reason, okay, so the reason, like, people that get a lot of plastic surgery um, often wear gloves, uh, like, when they're older, because there's no plastic surgery for your hands and for your neck. So it's, like, hands and there neck. There is plastic surgery for your neck. You're wrong about that. Yeah, but it doesn't seem to be as, nobody can see that I'm, like, molesting my neck right now. But, like, hands. Like that's what I'm like constantly moisturizing my hands. I think everybody nobody's talking about the fact that you should be washing your hands, but you should also be moisturizing your hands a lot you too, keep guys. Them moisturized. Yeah, this is a rough time for you your hands. Touch your boot and have them be like, oh God, Jesus. Yeah. Dude, my hands are like turning into sandpaper, and I just think we're gonna lose a lot of love you if we also don't. With rough hands, what a fucking shame. Yeah, but that's because they're washing their hands. I know, but that's yeah, but like, come on, you know, like you have oil on your hands all the time. How are they this rough? Because maybe, it, because maybe it represents their soul. The job where you work with your hands is it for you? I, don't, <laughs> I want some soft ass hands. Anyway, uh, so what did Madonna? So you just googled just to see what they looked like, yeah, or like why gnarly. they look the way they look? Well, the I way know they why look. they look. I mean, you can guess why. Just they're gnarly. She's, is she in her sixties? How old is Madonna? Girl, she was a pop star in the eighties. She's way older than in her sixties. No, she's not oh. older than sixty. I'm sorry, we're doing right, this right now. All right, Google the age of Madonna. How old is yeah. Madonna? Age. Um, I'll do it. You keep talking. <laughs> Fine. Uh, there's a part of me that it's going to come back, and, and Google's just like, "Bitch, no, that was a 61. negative Google." I told That's you. Yeah, there's no. Right. She, she, no, she started really young. She was like 19 or something when she blossomed into the star that she is today. She was the Billie Eilish of her time. Yeah. Um, but more sexy. Oh, I thought she was way older. No, she's in her early 60s. I knew that. Anyway. Um... Ooh. Well, now that we've just thrown some woman under for her appearance, sorry, sorry Madonna. Madonna. If Madonna's listening and mad at me, that's a win for us, I think. Yeah, sorry, Madonna. <laughs> we didn't mean to throw you under the bus as an appearance, but hands—I don't know. As somebody that cares about my hands, I'm learning. I'm learning from you. Um, that's just I, mean. I, um, I googled the bubonic plague. You did not. Why not? You Google the bubonic plague? You think yeah, that's where we're headed towards? Google. No, I didn't think that. But I mean, I, you know, it's been dealt with in history and I wanted to see how it was dealt with. And uh, they just murdered everybody. It's I was going to say there's much, body in the streets. Pretty much what they did. They uh, killed anyone with uh, who sneezed. And um, Are you serious? well, the king did kill a lot of people, but the plague was everywhere. It was all of Europe. There was rumors that it was the Great Fire in 1666. It was started by a baker, I think. They were like baking some cupcakes and then they set London on fire. And then, which would have been me, I'm sure. You're truly there like, ah, ah, would you, would you like a cupcake? <laughs> we just lost um, all the and English And we've lost listeners. all the English listeners just now. Thank you for that. And then, uh, <laughs> um, but, but apparently uh, it only killed one person, the fire, but um it was supposed to have killed all the rats that carry the fleas that carry the plague. Uh, but that apparently was a rumor and quarantine apparently was how they, I've said apparently like 17 times, but quarantine was how they did it. 
um, which I think being quarantined back then would have been a much harder deal because like we're quarantined, but we're posting on TikTok like dumb videos of all of us like dancing and still connecting. Oh. But if the yeah. internet goes out, I'm I'm gone. I don't know what to do. I don't. Like, I don't if the know. Internet, if the internet's gone, this is. I mean, I will set fire to everybody. Like, there's. <laughs> I don't even know how to handle myself. I'm already freaking out because stand up is not a thing anymore. I cannot even imagine the if Great I, Brooklyn Fire of 2020. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just me, like literally, like holding cats in the air while setting fire to everyone around me. I I don't know, dude. Like, there's a part of me that it feels weird to be inside history. Like that's how I was like talking to my boyfriend today. I was like, we are inside history right now. But when they end up talking about it, they're going to be like, it was the TikTok explosion of the century. People were home. They were doing pattern dances and uh, making videos with their cats. Like no other people were bored. They had too much toilet paper. (laughs) Like, there are tons of videos online of people doing whatever deep inside motherfucking history. <laughs> yeah. I had to do that. Um, but yeah, there's going to be so many screenplays born uh, of about being quarantined and uh, yeah. no one's going to be interested in it until like, well, also it's so later. funny because like you said, you were, you know, looking up the bubonic plague. I mean, people are talking about the Spanish flu, but there is a part of me that's like, is it, even if it gets that bad, let's say it gets that bad, which I don't think it will. Let's say it gets that bad. We still have so many more resources than we've ever had ever. Like, you know, we all have iPhones. We all have the internet. We all have social media. I mean, I bought my favorite thing from Trader Joe's is this green tea lemonade. And so, you know, a week ago we bought two of them. And then two days ago we bought two more. And then today I put one more and he's like, what do you think is going to happen? I was like, I don't know. People are going to discover how good it is and it's not going to be anything left for me. I can't live my life without this green tea lemonade. It's my favorite thing. I mean, some people are doing that with vodka. So at least yours is healthier. Yeah, that's true. Thank you for making me feel better. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, like I stocked up on like coffee and then kidney beans because I make burritos all the time. (laughs) You're... You like gastrologically, I'm so worried for your boyfriend. <laughs> no, my body's adjusted. I'm fine now. But like <laughs> um, just a scene from Blazing Saddles. Like <laughs> Dude. I'm not gross. My body is actually I My body's a temple. Smell, I couldn't even smell my shit. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. So I have if you guys are listening, she has the coronavirus. Her te- her test is that she can't smell anything. When are the rap songs coming out? Oh, that's going to be, yeah. that's a valid, valid point. I think there's going to be a lot of rate, really great quarantine hip hop. So back in the bubonic, bubonic plague day, bubonic plague day, uh-oh. Uh-oh, your, your ability to speak is gone. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm just emulating the president. You saw like that video of Trump, he's just, he, he said he made no sense. I don't think his he's, brain. His, he's never made sense. I can't yeah. imagine. It's gotten anyway, better. Um, they had plague doctors, right? Like specifically for the plague. And they used to dress up like birds. I'm sorry to anybody who like this is obvious to. I just found this out. They used to dress up in like with bird head and like long bird beak. And it's really creepy. They're in a long robe and a bird head. And it's really creepy. But the beak was apparently for to like, like to, it was sort of a mask. It was just to, to keep the plague away from them. Oh, so it was like, it was the modern day surgical mask that everybody has. Oh, we should go back to beaks, but they should be six feet long. 
to keep people having so people be distant. Go back to beaks or All surgical right. masks that like look look like cats' faces. <gasps> Dude, yeah. Dude. I'm just yeah. saying we can plaster some stuff. We I love can't leave the house craft time. I think this podcast is going to turn into arts and crafts. I'm so sorry we're trying to educate. We're people. not going to do that. <laughs> All maybe right. for the maybe for the the Patreon. Yeah, we'll we'll start to do quarantine crafts. Maybe that'll be our Patreon. Fuck. All right, we should probably get into our topic. I'm sad now. Um, oh. well, that's I mean that's technically our topic. It was just a really easy lead in. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, this week uh, we're talking about depression, right, guys? Great topic, Liz. Yay. I know. Thank you so much. Um, I don't know about you. I mean, we've been friends for a really long time. I don't even know how how I've been very open in some sense about my depression because I've talked about jokes. You know, I have jokes on stage about it. I um, I've been able to, I think, in the last couple of years to actually even be like, hey, I'm in a depressive episode. But I have probably suffered from it. I don't know, since I was a teenager, maybe even younger, I I just know that I had depressive episodes when I was a teenager. I had really bad ones when I was in college. And then um, I went off birth control, I don't know, like six years ago. And that weirdly enough helped my depressive episodes in the sense that I didn't get them as frequently. Um, they didn't last as long. Um, and um, I, I don't know, they just were a little bit more manageable. But I still, in the last six years, have probably had four major depressive episodes but i i don't know it's it's genetic genetically it's a part of my family i mean it's it's my um my little brother has bipolar one so i've seen him in his stages of being bipolar one he's dipped into some really deep depressions my mom has definitely you know had many depressive episodes i think my dad has but i think my dad deals with them differently and i don't I mean, I feel like my sisters and my other brothers probably do, but we don't talk like that. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like a weird thing where just like, I don't know, Greg's being a bitch and he's in his room. Um, but uh I don't know, it's it's been I've read about depression my entire life to understand both my behaviors but also the behaviors of the people in my family and I'm always now ha- you know, having a therapist for almost 9 years, um having uh, read so much about it and then also having a deep understanding with, with the coronavirus, with not being able to perform, I would say my biggest fear right now is, is going into a depressive episode because you can say what, what happens to you when you are in a depressive episode. So it varies depending on how bad it is and how long it is. But like the first sign for me is all my motivation is gone. Like you, you know me, like I'm always, I got side projects. I'm always trying to do stuff. I'm constantly writing. I'm constantly being creative. Immediately this feeling of wanting to even do anything. Let, and like some of my favorite things, running is my favorite, one of my favorite things to do. Reading is one of my favorite things to do. Writing and creating, getting on stage, anything that like is almost, um, I don't even think about it the same way you don't think about brushing your teeth any activity in my life that I just do because I like doing it, even on a day I don't want to do it because it's raining or what have you, I will still do it. All that motivation goes away. And I find it really hard to um, get out of bed. I find it really hard to motivate myself to do this something as simple as take a shower or brush my teeth. Um, I get really, um, 
distant. Both first, the first people to go is anybody that I don't care about. Like those people, like you, I will stop returning your phone calls. I'll stop returning emails. I don't care if it's a business opportunity. With me, with me, it's just um, you stop using punctuation. Like there's no exclamation points. And I'm like, Liz, are you okay? <laughs> Dude, it's actually pretty crazy. And like, there are some habits that I start to partake in that I don't realize. And you've actually pointed out, like you've been able to find out if I had a bad day, if I'm mad at you, if I'm mad at the world, if I'm depressed, truly from how quickly I get back to you, how quiet I am when we're together, my um, my lack of punctuation or emojis. I mean, I almost exclusively talk in emojis. When I stop using emojis, you better start, you better start throwing antidepressants at me. Um, But I just, I start to pull away from everyone and everything. And even with my friend, I mean, now I can go to my friends and be like, Hey, I'm not okay. And I, I'm doing my best to stay afloat, but I I don't feel good. And I'm having trouble. Um, I might start with just saying motivating myself, but eventually I'll be like, I am having trouble getting out of bed. And then that's like a beginning step is just lack of motivation, um, uh, lack of wanting to connect with people. Sometimes I'm so sad that I don't even want to watch anything. Like I've almost turned into my cat where I just like stare at a wall and like hours go by and I don't know what I was thinking about or what I was doing. I would say when it gets really bad is when I... I can't, I can't stop crying. Like everything will feel really hard. So getting myself to do something will feel really hard. Um, Even if it's as simple as like make a sandwich or, or take a shower. But I remember this, I think what is one of my last ones was maybe like a year ago and I hadn't paid my manager. And you know me, I like, I'm always on top of that stuff. I'm very fiscally responsible. I'm, I keep everything organized. But my manager was like, hey, you haven't paid me my commission. And we kind of talked about X, Y, and three, you know, X, Y, and Z things. And you haven't gotten back to me. And she called me to tell me these things. And I just busted out in tears. Mm-hmm. And this is a woman that like, she knows me, but she doesn't know me like that. And I, she was like, hey, are you okay? And I was like, I don't think I am. Like it was almost a realization Cause usually I try to hide, I can kind of hide my tears and hide, um, how much pain I'm in. But all of a sudden I like, cause I was crying at that point, I think like three times a day, but as a comedian, I only go out into the real world. I don't know, maybe an hour and a half if I'm doing spots. So you're able to me, I don't know how other people are, but as somebody that like has their own space, like I have roommates, but like, I don't have to be in the common area very long. Um, and I'm not in an office. Um, I would never cancel spots because a, there's an adrenaline boost to that and B I need the money. Um, and then sometimes I could get myself to run. And if I couldn't get myself to run, I would make myself walk just as a way of getting myself to move because even when I feel happy, I don't want to move. So I do kind of set myself some ground rules to my depression, but I know people that suffer from way worse depressions where it doesn't matter how many kind of ground rules you try to put in place. You can't, but I've, I will say I've, I've never, my brother's been in some ones that are even 10 times worse than I am, but I don't, my depressions have never gotten so bad that I stopped working. I might've cried before and after I worked, I might've not been the best version of myself on stage. I, your depression sometimes like I've walked in on you, it's a dark room 
candy wrappers on the floor, <laughs> empty ice cream <laughs> tubs surround you. <laughs> you've got you've got cans of Coke everywhere. You get a, you, you sugar binge, but like I like do, I do sugar binge. binge. Yeah, I do. I remember, I, I actually, came came home and uh, or and then I saw a can of Coke on my desk when you were staying with me, and and your and your texts were um, uh, punctuationless. I was like, Liz, are you okay? And you're like, I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of down. And I was like, I know. I saw the Coke. <laughs> <laughs> you don't drink I, Coke. I don't. I really have. I've gotten much. Things have actually changed a lot in my health that I remember having a depressive episode when I was on the paleo diet. And I was like, can't fucking eat an apple. Like, this is, I can't be sad and eat an apple. This is actually more depressing than my depression. Like, no, that's, it's, there's, that's no life. Do you, uh, do you have any kind of, do you suffer from any depression? Stuff? I, yeah. I get that. I get that within a 24 hour period. So in the morning, what? I'll wake up, I'm motivated, <laughs> I'll do things. But by like five o'clock, I'm like, I can't do anything. And, I, you know, it's like in the morning, me has booked in like 15 countries to travel to. And I'm writing a novel. And, um, oh, don't forget keyboard lessons. And then evening, me is, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, I experience it all like very quickly. <laughs> so. they, I mean, what I do find interesting is from all the reading I've done about this is there's different cycles for everybody. So I... There's rapid cyclers, which would be technically if you did have it, I don't know if you do, but rapid cyclers are people that within a 24 hour period go through all the episodes and range of emotions that an episodic, um, a depressive episode would be, as opposed to like some people, I think I'm on a three month, um, cycle where it feels like every three months I go through something. Mm. And then my brother who's, who's, who has bipolar one, his is yearly. It's actually every spring that he, I mean, he's been on medication and he's doing great knock on everything. Um, but, um, things get a little worrisome actually around this time in March, uh, because that's when almost all his episodes, sometimes he's broken through the medication. It's around this time. So there's whether, whatever kind of mental illness you have, you know, whatever it is, there are different cycles as well as different triggers. So when I was younger, this is the craziest thing about your body changing and getting older. When I was younger, most of my depressive episodes were triggered by something. So, um, uh, you know, I don't get a big opportunity I was hoping to get. Um, I didn't get into a college I thought I was going to get into. Um, a boy I liked doesn't like me, whatever. Like we're talking about like high school. Um, then in college, it was still a little bit triggered, but all of a sudden, let's say if I had five depressive episodes in a year, three of them would be triggered by something that made me sad. And two of them would be for no reason. I would just wake yeah. up. And I wasn't, I wouldn't feel right. And now I would say most of them are triggered for no reason because I've had some really big, you know, financial, emotional, um, uh, relationship, uh, things fall apart and I've worried it's going to send me into a depressive break and I've been fine. And I don't know if that's because I have tools or I have a support system it's or what you have you. a catchphrase and you do have a catchphrase and it, it's go fuck yourself. <laughs> so all the things that would have been triggered by outside forces, you've just said, go fuck yourself, dude, 
go fuck yourself. And then everything else you can't control is what's, what's, what's bringing you down now. <laughs> That's true. And I have learned with therapy and the tools that I've learned from therapy that there is a lot of stuff that I couldn't control that I was trying to control. And I do think there's something about the stress of trying to control stuff that isn't controllable that kind of sends you into a depressive episode as opposed to now, you know, I have the words let go tattooed on my arm just as I've seen you shake your fists in the air in anger with the words let go tattooed on your arm too blurry to read (laughs) (laughs) do you know how many times like I've called my little we have the same tattoo I've called my little sister up like just ranting about something just be like I'm this motherfucker and da 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 and through the phone I hear her tap her arm and I go, you bitch. I get it. She goes, read your arm, Liz. And I'm like, you read your arm. I'm going to fucking call somebody that doesn't know about this tattoo. (laughs) But I I would say, I don't know. I would say for me, I now understand that they can come they can come out of nowhere, but I also, unlike before I can call them because uh, you know maybe we'll talk about it in another episode i've had many panic attacks i've suffered from anxiety my entire life but like n- being able to label my depression and call it out and un- even if i can't control it change it make it go away which really a lot of i could do everything they tell you to do go for a run decoupage you know <laughs> I've, you know whatever it's still it doesn't make it go away i have lessen the pain of it. And that's one of the things I've actually, because my depressions haven't been so bad that I truly have felt bedridden. I have set the rules for myself that I have to do stand up to make money, but, uh, and then go, try to run or go for a walk. But a lot of that has to do with adrenaline. You get a shot of adrenaline every time you're on stage, whether it's going well, going okay, going amazing, or you're bombing, you're in front of people, there's a shot of adrenaline and endorphins that come into play. And, you know, people don't really realize like, a lot of comics aren't night owls, because they want to be night owls. Even if I have an early spot, I still have trouble going to bed at a reasonable hour, because I just, it's like I had three shots of espresso at 830 at night. And I'm still, huh? It's espresso. espresso. Es- espresso. Okay, whatever. You know I talk like you a moron. I know that. Es- es- no, it's okay. I know. I'm sorry. I just I wanted to jump in. Um. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but we do the same thing. It's like you you have so much adrenaline that it's hard to go to bed at a normal hour, even when you have an early spot. So there is something to getting on stage and giving myself almost like this this shot. And same thing with running, there's endorphins and all that stuff comes into play. And it, it, it is helpful. Even if, even if I've cried all day, I have this half hour, hour of relief, even if it goes away pretty quickly afterwards. And I think my biggest fear with this quarantine and venues being shut down is I have never in 18 years not had that shot. And yeah. I, and it is, it is compulsive and it is, um, addictive, but also every comic we know, whether they need it in quotations or don't, haven't been without it. Because we're to do comedy is is it's a muscle, and the reason, even if we're not doing an hour every single night, most of us are doing ten to twenty minute sets at least three to seven times a night, if not more. I mean, my average is probably 
between seven and 12 spots a week. And that doesn't even include our sets. You know, most of us don't know who we are conceptually, but physiologically, physiologically, oh man, I shouldn't be allowed to have a podcast. Um, Physiologically, you nailed it. Yeah. Without stand-up, like just the physical aspects of adrenaline, endorphins, um, uh, uh, thinking on your feet, like all that stuff, it doesn't just play into that addictive nature of, of, I need to be in front of people. It pay, it plays to the addictive nature of the same way athletes are putting some kind of chemical, a, a, a real chemical, but some kind of chemical in their body by swimming 80 laps every day or what have you. I'm scared. I, if I'm being really honest, I am scared for my mental health and the mental health of our peers during this time. Yeah, it's, um, really, you know, we do need an outlet and um, that's why we should get these podcasts out and going and just because it'll help a bit, you know, and we have we have this and like. Uh... But I, I but I, that is the motivation for doing this. I mean, it's the connection with you. It's the ability to be open and honest with other people to laugh at ourselves and and make silly jokes about the bubonic plague together. Like it, I. Having a creative outlet. Um, doing something to help others, um, being able to talk openly and freely um, and just connecting in any way that we can, I think is a baby version. To me, this is a, not a placebo, but this is like, if doing stand up is like Tylenol max, you know what I mean? Like, like uh-huh. Tylenol severe. I do feel like having this podcast to me is like, like, I I don't know, like a Tylenol from 1990. This is the worst analogy. <laughs> I, I have to, That's to like be honest. There's so the many more things to do. Like if stand-up is heroin, then this podcast is like morphine drip that you get to get yourself off heroin. Like there's so many things. If stand-up is sex, this is like making out. Like if stand-up is, stand-up is eating, this is having chewing gum i'm still jet lagged and tired no no (laughs) i'm depressed (laughs) no you're right it was going really bad i'm really glad you interrupted that was you saved me ah you you diagnosed me once as having bipolar disorder a a form of it there's there's tons of different forms i for me you, you are a rapid cycler, like in whatever you do, like you go through so many emotions. Like I, I don't, and I don't, I don't think bipolar is bad. I I mean, I, like I said, it's, it's, I have a huge family history of probably bipolar one in my family. We're not really sure what my grandmother's had, um, but they were in and out of mental institutions and, and there's, I mean, that's for another time, but um, it is very much in, uh, on both sides of my family, there's a lot of mental illness. I've read extensively about all the different forms, but the biggest thing is while my brother is an extreme and has bipolar one, which for anybody that doesn't understand it's, um, uh, it's not just like bipolar, uh, two would be depression and then mania. Bipolar one is depression, mania, psychotic break. So my brother's psychotic breaks can look very similar to schizophrenia. There's differences between those as well. But um, 
because I've learned so much about what is in my genetics because of my grandmothers and because of my parents and because of my siblings and myself, I, I can kind of see people's behavior and there's baby versions of it. So there's the extreme version of somebody has bipolar one, but I, I don't know the actual terminology, but there's these baby versions of something that's similar to bipolar, but it isn't to the same extremes. And I honestly think I have some of that because I'll have these bursts of motivation and then I'll have these really bad lows and I'll have these bursts of motivations and then I'll have these really bad lows. So there's something to be said that I might not actually suffer from just depression, which I know there are people that are, that suffer from chronic depression and I have many friends that they never actually have the burst of motivation. They just have the, the depression. Um, but I, I've never actually seen a psychiatrist for it. I have a therapist. I've worked through it. I've actually never, I should be honest. I've never been on any kind of antidepressants, but I've been close to wanting to do it. Um, I've had several friends that are on it, that it has been life changing for them. But I think when it came to you, you, you have some tendencies that could be really extreme, really fast. And I, to me, it's always just having some awareness of it, even if it's not what it is. It's just some awareness of um, how your mind and body is working in a cyclical way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I never, I never, and we talked about this in the last episode. I don't think labels are mean or horrible. I think labels can be really, um, what's the word? Like, uh, helpful in, in, in giving you what to Google. I know as, as we, as we talk about how much we Google, <laughs> but like there is, it can give you the right path to look down so that you can get answers. So you don't feel like a freak. You don't feel like this is only you. You don't feel like you're alone. And it can also give you tools and the proper um, pathway to getting a solution, whether that's seeing a doctor, whether that's being on medication, whether that's finding a support group, what have you. So it's never, I think if you think the label now makes you broken, then I think the label can be detrimental. Right. But it's, it's, it's like the misophonia thing. It's like just knowing, um, there is a label before it that people do have it, that, you know, you're not alone and that there are treatments and, and it's not, if if you go oh i'm i'm bipolar like fuck it um i guess i'm not normal then that's when it's detrimental but if it's, if you use it as a tool to help you then obviously that's the way to go um yeah but, but i think i think this is this is going to be a really interesting time for people because everybody's way of life is shifted um whether you're somebody that works at a grocery store and now your hours are crazy, you don't have childcare. Um, you know, there's all these different aspects of your life that have just kind of been changed or you're somebody like us that don't have work, don't know when we're going to have work again. Um, don't have a creative outlet the same way we used to and have been for years, um, doing, um, you know, we're, we're, I'm, I'm on a plane every three days and don't get me wrong. I I love the fact that I'm not traveling right now, but I liked traveling. I don't like the aspect of traveling. Like I don't like going through security. I don't like being on a plane. I don't like being jet lagged. I don't like not being near my bed. I wonder if actors go through something similar because, but they don't, because they don't get to do it every night. Like, 
I wonder if they, I think that's why they all get like really sad at the end of a, a theater run because it's like, oh, that yeah, adrenaline is gone. I, 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 I'm sure it's there. Like, you do a play every single night, sometimes twice a day for six months, and then you don't have a job for a year, right? Yeah, um, I don't right. know. I don't think we we'll solved get, anything. We'll get there. We'll get there. And then, you know, this will be a good satiating um, Tylenol to your Advil. <laughs> yeah, don't make fun of me. Um, I would say this. Um, I We would love to hear from anybody that has gone through depressive episodes that has any insight, anything that's kind of helped them. Um, I always love learning new tools. Um, we, we, I think the biggest thing is we want to learn from you guys. We want to clearly we don't know what we're talking about so we're using (laughs) this is gonna be we are the catalyst this is gonna get bad we are the catalyst to the people save me maria i (laughs) i want to hear this out um i just think we're we're starting a conversation and we want you guys to participate in it and we are probably wrong we're always wrong now that's Uh, why we're morons we love to hear why we're idiots um and we want to help people but um, you can email us at two non doctors. That's the full word doctors at gmail.com. Is it the, le- the number two? Or the it letter? is the number two. Thank you for asking, Maria. Um, so it's two, the number non, not like the bread, and doctors, the full word at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> We're never going to get an email. <laughs> And then, somebody's writing out to the number not like the bread what the fuck is this do not doctors at gmail.com and then we didn't think this through at no all. i'm a moron and and no. uh, and then uh we are on instagram at two non-doctors but that one is drs uh we will have all that in the description you guys are lovely thanks for uh being our medicine during this time of non-creativity bye guys bye